This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. APIs, microservices, connections to external systems, integration with legacy systems, the list of software complexities gets longer and longer and longer. In this episode, Ledge is joined by global enterprise IT leader Dipanjan Chowdhury. With almost 20 years of experience in software development, platform, and consulting leadership roles, we wanted to get his perspectives on risk mitigation so smaller companies can learn from the best practices of larger companies and prepare themselves for growth. Dipanjan argues convincingly that as QA and security shift left, so should risk management. Because the cost of addressing risk increases exponentially as you move right in the SDLC, pre-enterprise companies can benefit greatly by adopting this mindset, especially when they are capital-constrained. When we recorded this interview, Dipanjan was the technical director of CAST. Since that time, he's taken a role as associate director at Value Momentum. Dipanjan, welcome. It's good to have you. Yeah, good to see you, Ledge. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Can you tell uh, our listeners, you know, a two or three minute version of, you know, your history, your work, uh, what you're doing these days? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I've been all, all, all throughout my life. It's like 18 years now, all throughout in software, software industry, uh, more on the technical side, uh, development, design, account management sort of stuff. Now I'm more into the pre-sales role here. So I work for a product development company called Cast, which is uh, looking into the software risks of applications. We also look into the areas where the customers are doing technical due diligence or um, they are sort of doing um, migrating to cloud. So what sort of things they require, what are the strategies they will require. From the risk perspective, we'll look into areas like performance risk or uh, secret risk of the application, how those can improve impact in the production environment. So those are the areas we look into. I look, um, I'm in the technical sales side, so I look, uh, talk to the customers, explain them what our products do, what the value they get out of our products, and also we work in long term, like implement the product, work with them in their journey. Yeah, that's, that's a small one. Yeah. What kind of models are there for figuring out risk? I imagine you, you do a lot of thinking about this, and uh, I don't get clients in the new greenfield type of products thinking a whole lot about you know the risks other than like i don't want it to cost too much you know so what are some of the the risk profiles that you think about you know from from your standpoint well that's the irony right i mean uh if you think uh, the modern applications they are getting complex and complex much more complex than anyone can think of you have the list of APIs they are calling each other. You have this, the microservices. Um, you have connectivity to the external system. You have connectivity to the legacy applications. Uh, all sort of things that are so many unknowns um, in the current software paradigm, specifically in the enterprise application field. Uh, not thinking of risk is uh, really not a correct way to uh, move ahead and progress. And I, I think you are not doing proper service to customers if you're not thinking of the risk of the applications. So I think that is definitely there. How it varies and where it varies depends on different scenarios. Uh, one of the things of the, like the legacy side of the applications, which are pretty old, uh, 
which are sometimes are very difficult to map into the current business requirements when you try to scale them. So you are seeing a lot of application modernization, right? So when you just think of application modernizations, when you are trying to scale up the software or most probably you want to refactor it all together, there are so many risks because the business logic that are embedded in different areas, people are just using as it is. They are working fine. No one even touched it. So those are the areas you definitely need to look into from a legacy perspective as we're doing a modernization or even you are trying to integrate to them. What are the functionalities they are there, which you may not be known to you. Uh, and that's one of the areas cast into looking into. The other thing is, of course, in the modern um, application also. So we are uh, looking into more in the, we are more into the DevOps environment right now, right? DevOps and CICD environment where having a sprint running every two weeks to three weeks. And in this type of scenario, the risk is a bit different because many of the times the things are going into production environment with proper testing. Sometimes people are just trying to fetch out new product versions every three weeks, every four weeks, because that's the business was to handle it. So it's, I think it's now more relevant to have the risk profile of your applications get assessed in a proper way. How do you fix? What do you fix? What are the low-hanging fruits? Or we have to go very deep into that part. But I think overall perspective risk is always the one you should look into. And software, to be honest, is not very different in other industries per se. So the quality control, the quality management, I think it should be embedded as part of your whole process itself. Right. Do you face, um, right now I'm seeing a trend when I talk to CTOs that uh, both QA and security seem to be moving, what they say, you know, moving left in the software development process so that they're becoming ops functions and even all the way back to, you know, sort of product functions. Are you seeing that at the enterprise level as well? Absolutely. I think that's a very good point that you touched. Um, shift left is really the ones that we are talking about a lot in cast also right now. Um, they should be moved right after the day itself. I think personally, that's my belief is. And many of the CTOs and CIOs we're speaking with are the senior architects. They're also trying to bring the risk part, specifically the security part, right left so it doesn't goes i mean it's difficult to control but doesn't goes most probably beyond the staging environment so that's what you always want to do uh, because the cost of fixing those risks as you move left gets lesser and lesser and less impactful as you move on the right hand side yeah you know, it can blow up so sure sure so we're in the business of you know um very senior remote distributed engineering teams and engineers, software engineers, architects, DevOps. And I wonder what is the, what's the appetite and what are the changes around uh, the evolving and, and remote workforce? You know, we see some legacy organizations that are not bought into that yet, that they can have remote and distributed workforces and others are doing really well in that regard. Um, it's difficult to look at the macro variables and not think that everything will be this way. Are you guys helping organizations think differently about that to, you know, make use of the remote workforce? So that's, that's really a challenging part. I, I have seen organizations who have done remote, went remote, uh, um, they have figured out there are a lot of flexibility in it, specifically from the developers and the resources perspective who can do in on time. But again, there is always a concern of uh, the security aspects, I would say per se, which is really the one which is very challenging. So uh, 
again, I, I have seen that they are coming back and say, okay, okay, no, you cannot go and do it remote. There is a lot of data. Disk. The customer's data is with us. I may not have, allow you to do a remote work or even uh, the BYOD, right? They bring your own device. So you are doing from the mobile or you are doing from the tablet or maybe from a personal one. Customers are not allowing that. So, and I think this is a much more relevant in areas where you have a huge customer data dependency, specifically in the financial one. Uh, I would say in you know, pharmaceuticals also, you have a lot of rules and regulations, what happens. And as you have seen this year, um, you have the GDPR regulation coming into Europe. So these are making more strict, more strict. So it's getting a bit difficult for many of the uh, companies to allow the customers from work from remote. But I won't say that it's completely went away. I mean, it, it really depends on what functionality this particular resource is working on. Sure. And we certainly as an industry will have to address that even in the most sensitive data areas because it's becoming or at least seems to be now sort of a a seller's market. The employee gets to drive what they want and, you know, you can't get access to the best talent unless you provide, you know, the ability to work in the way that, that they want to. Well, uh, that's, um, that's, I think the employees, uh, I, I would say we have to keep faith on them also. I mean, they are also sensible. What can be done? What can not be done? I mean, you cannot always get to the best. I mean, all the most flexible options. If you're working in a great environment, which is uh, providing the options to uh, do good, cool things. and But they may have restrictions of whatever reasons, whatever the policy they have. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> difficult things. You, you are saying a lot, lot of options for employees, a lot of options for employers. So I think we'll reach some equilibrium someday. So. There's a model that fits for everybody. Right. So the last question I, I like to ask everybody, uh, different views on this, you know, we're obviously we're in the business of evaluating and staffing and, you know, finding the, the best software engineers, you know, so independent freelancers who have, you know, senior careers and are really just A plus players that we want to place with mm -hmm. our clients. We have a process for doing that, that we're constantly evolving. And I like to ask all of our guests, you know, what are your heuristics for what make you know, the best of the best software engineers? How do you know them when you see them and how do you evaluate them? So one of the options that I take into well in the recruitment process, recruitment is always um, a thing that you are never sure of what, what you are recruiting. The people who is coming in, he may be a great engineer, but he may not be the fit for your organization, right? That's always a challenge. Even when I have gone and I have changed my jobs. That is always a thing, right? When I go and change, okay, it looks great, but you have those um, initial rooms, right? Yeah, that, well, I'm going there. I don't know whether I will fit to their culture, well, I won't be, whether I'll be able to do or not do what we want to do. Uh, so those are areas always there. But I think one of the best ways to look into it is instead of having like curated questions, uh, talk to the folks and figure out what they've done over the years. I think that's the best place to start what they have done, what they would like to do. Um, and the third part is, of course, when you have a specific requirement, how much they are mapping to that. Uh, one of the things I think is the better approach, and I have spoke to many of the recruiters also on this part, is um, when you figure out who is the best resource, it's not necessarily the one who exactly knows what you want to do him right now but who has a lot of flexibility to learn new things. And if you see in current world, I mean, every other technology is changing, it is evolving. So you need players who are very flexible, who can change according to the business requirement. 
because that's what is putting a flow to the technology, right? Who can change it, who are adaptable and who are like sort of culturally amenable to your organization. Those are the things that you really need to look into. Without that, it's, it's difficult to have someone work for you for a long term. Uh, the second part is, of course, the technical aspects. Uh, so if, if you're looking for someone in the cloud, uh, you must really want to have someone at the cloud architect level, especially in a senior level in the enterprise architect level. If you are looking for someone in the developer, like you are creating a, your own cloud practice and you are looking for a junior developer, maybe just out of college, you, you may not focus too much on that. You must really want to work how his mentality is, whether he wants to work for us, whether he wants flexible. So different levels, it varies. But one of the things very important is having the culture amiability. I will definitely say that. Yeah, and, and you, you touched on, you know, hey, you want to know if they have, let's say on the technical side, senior abilities in skill X. And I think the smart organizations are able to take that leap and really define what is the measure of a senior ability in skill right. X. Right. Because, you know, and, and that takes a lot of work. The, that on the recruiting side, just knowing what you are looking for. It's not yeah. enough to say cloud architect senior. Because yes. that's just a thing that anybody could write down. So yeah, you anybody can write Yeah. And you need to know how to evaluate that. And that, exactly. that skill is, is critically important, not just search LinkedIn for the right job title. So. <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. Dippinger, it's good to have you on. I really appreciate your insights. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, and some of the points that you are also bringing in, I, I know you are from the recruitment one and you are talking to a lot of architects and the developers. I, I really see the pain points here and the challenges. And with the technology stack is really getting diversified, uh, not in the good old days. <laughs> so yeah, it's getting more and more challenging. I agree with you. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.